Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, well, I want to... uh, um, continue my series this morning on deconstruction. Now, first of all, I I want to I want to mention this. The other the other Wednesday night, uh, Yanis Cervantes, one of our GC kids, uh, came up to me and she said, "Hey, I just want to tell you something that happened to me." And I said, "Okay, if you know Yanis, she's just a, such a sweet little girl." She said, "I had hurt my leg at school. It was numb. It was having. I was having lots of pain in it." And she said, "In kids' church, they ask if anybody wanted to be healed to come down to the front." And she said, "They prayed for me, and I want you to know that I, my leg has not hurt one bit since that moment, and I'm just, you know, listen, listen, never discount, you know, the faith of a little child, and we've just seen God do some powerful things, and for her to just come over here and want to want to tell me that, I just wanted to share that with you as well. We believe God is doing something powerful in this house, and we're going to walk in to this moment, so I'm telling you that, because at the end of service this morning, we're going to pray for people that need a healing, they need a miracle in their life. We don't think it's just for kids. We think it's for adults, so just wanted to, uh, to tell you that, and and, uh, and, and then that's where we're kind of headed at the altar as well. So, all right. Uh, so I'm doing a series on, uh, it's called deconstruction. If you're unfamiliar with that term, just give me, just give me a moment. Deconstruction, reject, uh, reevaluate, restore. Deconstruction is the process of internal questioning and reevaluating beliefs and faith. Now, I got to finish this sometime in December because we start Missions Month next week. I already got some stuff planned. So I got a few more Sundays in this. I'm going to try to jam it. And we may be at the manger and deconstruction all at the same Sunday. So I got to figure that, figure that out. So uh, causes of deconstruction. Why do people walk away? Well, I've been deeply hurt in the church I feel like God has let me down and disappointments have caused me to doubt him. My experiences in college uh, have caused me to have doubts and questions about faith. I've witnessed the hypocrisy of believers and the church, and it's caused me to question the authenticity of Christianity. On the very first Sunday of the series, I showed you a video of a young lady named Sarah Martin. It's got over 200,000 YouTube uh, uh, views. A young lady who is deconstructed. She's walked away from her evangelical faith, and she put a 22-minute video out about the reasons that she has stepped away from faith. I, I showed part of that uh, a few weeks ago. I'm going to show some more 
this morning, so uh, so this is a real thing that a lot of young adults are kind of kind of walking through in their life, and I just want to deal with some of these. I don't want there to be silence in the church. I don't want people walking away with just silence from the church. So I'm just trying to do my best to step into this moment, step into this space, maybe uh, with some compassion and some light. You know, who who knows? So as we approach the series, some things to remember. Generations Church is a place where doubts and questions about faith are accepted and the time to process the answers are allowed. We welcome hard questions. May not always have a quick answer, but we welcome them. This is a safe place for them. Jude 22 says for us to be merciful to those who doubt and we will. If you've got questions and doubts, we, we, uh, we, we welcome those here. Topics that we've covered so far, the very first series, science versus faith and the origin of the universe in humanity. We, we walked through that. Uh, we're, we've talked about, is God real? Is the Bible real and dependable for today? Did Jesus, uh, did Jesus really live uh, in the future? I'm going to do, I disagree with the church beliefs on sexuality, gender, marriage, and family. And today I'm going to do, if God is good, excuse me, why are so many people hurting the church and by its leaders? I feel like God has let me down and disappointments have caused me to doubt him. If God is good, why is there so much evil suffering uh, in the world? So I told you this uh, series, this, the messages are a little bit different in structure and content. Sometimes these are complicated questions that people ask, and there are complicated answers. So sometimes it takes me a few moments. I mean, if you're going to answer them, you need to answer them right. So sometimes, you know, it's a little, little complicated. So I also have a few more copies of this book, Before You Lose Your Faith, Deconstruction, Doubt, in the church, if you're 35 years of age and under, and uh, and you'll read the book, they're free. They're out at guest services, so just want to want to mention that to you. First question: Why are so many people hurt in the church and by its leaders? Why are so many people hurt in the church and by its leaders? Now, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest. I hate to have to answer this question. Because painfully, it reminds me that people involved in this wonderful thing that I know as the church get hurt and they leave. I mean, I know that, it's ha- I know that it happens. I know that it's true. It breaks my heart. Not only do they leave the church, but they walk away from faith because of it. So I have... A little video clip of someone who walked through some church hurt that I want to show uh, show you for just just a moment here this morning. Watch this. I wanted my identity hidden because I'm quite a high profile figure in our church. My family is very predominant in our church. And all of this history, I've not really shared with anybody. I've just kind of kept it to myself. And I share pieces, but not the whole story. So no one knows my whole story completely. I always say to people, you do not know me. You know what I show you, but you do not know me. And I've also got to protect my children as well. By protecting my identity, I also protect my church. 
isn't that strange? The whole story started when I got married. Everything seemed to be really perfect. I met the man of my dreams, I had the wedding of my dreams, everything was fine. Except at my previous church, the first church we were in didn't like the fact that we didn't get them overly involved and they alienated us quite extensively. I was hurt, but I thought, you know, I can deal with it. And I moved to the next place with him to start a family and to start our journey together. And everything was fine until you begin to take them as your church family and everything seemed to be okay. We had our first child and throughout my pregnancy things were touch and go as my ex-husband had been to prison and that was very hard. Very few people knew and when they did find out it was frowned upon. It wasn't a good thing that he went to prison but I thought it would have been used in a more positive light. After that I found out that my ex-husband was having an affair with somebody very high ranking in church whilst I was eight months pregnant. That was hard to deal with but I think what hurt me the most was when it came out I was looked at as the bad person and everything about our life became church conversation. What our relationship was like, how often we had sex, how often he was at home, how often I was at home, how often I was at my mum's and so our lives became very public. Soon after my first child, I felt very alienated. My ex-husband didn't live with us anymore, but was still coming to church. And I felt like, especially through that season, being a new mother, having a child, there's so many things going on, and I felt like there was no support. I picked myself up and went on. I tried really desperately because the way I had been raised was mother and father always stay together. That's what I had seen. So I tried to keep my relationship with my ex-husband. Oh, I forgot to say, throughout my first pregnancy, there were rumours that the child wasn't my ex-husband's, which was quite hurtful, as they weren't coming from outside, they were coming from within the church, and I was still going to church. And I felt very alienated, and just not part of the community anymore, but I was still going, as I knew that I had a relationship with God, and that's what was important to me. All right. Just a mess. Harsh dictatorial leadership, graceless discipline with little sense of due process, financial mismanagement with little accountability, moral misconduct, sexual abuse of children and teenagers, pastors who live like celebrities instead of shepherds, honest questions are considered adversarial, weak muted apologies when wrongs are acknowledged, cover up of sexual abuse and mishandled issues of personal integrity. I want to acknowledge, unfortunately, some of these things are true. And in many cases, the church is guilty. And some people, maybe we can understand why they come to the conclusion that the whole thing is tainted. The whole thing is bad. Bad people, bad system, and the whole authenticity of Christianity is brought into question because of the behavior of those in the church. Well, I want to respond to this, but I want to just say some things first, okay? I want to give a response to this, especially because we've seen it in the news the last, 
you know, six months or so, the sexual misconduct and cover-ups concerning uh, uh, teenagers and, and children. And sometimes these things happen in the church and, you know, people carry deep, dark secrets. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe there's something that's happened to you and it's a, a dark secret in your life and you've kept it and it's driven you away from faith or it's, you know, or it's, uh, you know, uh, bothering, bothering you emotionally uh, in your life. So I just want to say something this morning concerning those things. These are criminal acts when they happen against children and teenagers. Those guilty should be barred from the ministry permanently and publicly. If the church decides to extend forgiveness, that is fine, but it should not end there because these are criminal acts. The church cannot go, we're going to deal with this internally, we're going to forgive, we're going to rebuke, and we're going to move on because they are criminal acts. Those that are, are charged need to be turned over to the police, they need to be put on trial, and if convicted, they need to be sent to jail, no questions asked. All right? Now, Jesus has no compassion on those that hurt little children. We've got a verse on Mark chapter 9 we're going to put up here. I'm going to give you the Nugent paraphrase, okay? Jesus said if you've hurt one of these little kids, they ought to take you to the lake, put you in a boat, take you out to the deepest part of the lake, take one end of the rope, tie it around your neck, Take another end of the rope, attach it to a millstone, which is about 250 pounds, and drop it in the deepest part of the lake. That's what Jesus said to those that harm little ones. I want you to remember this morning that the man of forgiveness is also a man of justice as well. All right? Now, I for years served on the Presbytery Board of the Assemblies of God in Kentucky. It's our ministerial kind of group. I served as a presbyter. I served as an executive presbyter. And from time to time, we would deal with ministerial conduct and behavior. So I want you to know that I have personally voted for people to be removed from their position and removed permanently from the ministry because sometimes we may think that everyone and all churches are complicit in cover-ups. Maybe some are, but not all. But not all. So if you've been through church hurt, You've, you've been, you felt spiritually abused in some way. I want to say some things to you this morning. Don't let anyone dismiss or trivialize what occurred. You should have been heard, acknowledged, and cared for. There are times that people go, hey, you just need to move on. You just need to forgive. Don't make waves because it can hurt the mission of the church. No real concern for you. You just feel invisible. I want you to know we hear your voice. We care about you. And we acknowledge your concerns that you have against the church. I want to say something else. Jesus never hurt you. He never left you, and he will never leave you. 
If you have lost confidence with the church and church people, I fully understand with that. But I'm asking you to please consider just starting simply back with Jesus. There was something in the beginning that drew you to him and drew you to faith. And I'm asking you to kind of sort through that clutter and find your way back to him. But what you will find is that he's never left. He's been standing there the entire time. Recognize it was not the church as a whole, but flawed human beings that hurt you. I realize and understand if you believe that the entire church is tainted. But I want to say it's, this is not a church-wide conspiracy, but it is the sinful acts of sinful people that have hurt you, not the church as a whole. Forgiving others does not necessarily mean you will forget or we will forget what happened, but it can help you move forward. Now, I'm not pushing you in this area. I understand, you know, some of the deep traumatic pain that, that happens to people. And I understand also when you hear the word forgiveness, it can carry with it this sense of unfairness and a sense of injustice. Like, what? This person hurt me and you just, we just want to leave it here. I'm just saying to you that if you choose to walk through the process of forgiveness, all you are saying is, I am choosing to move on with my life. I'm not going to let this pain be an anchor to what God wants to do in my life going forward. I'm going to move on, and I'm going to trust that God is going to judge in his own time, and I'm going to leave all of this in the hands of the Lord. All right? So forgiving others doesn't necessarily mean that you will forget or that we will forget as well. I also want to say, when ready, please consider giving the church a chance, the chance again. Some of you may go, I'm gone. I'm done. And I understand that. I would understand that. But I say, man, if you would give the church the opportunity, start online, start, start, walk slowly, you know, but I I think, I think maybe there's a possibility, you know, the scripture says he gives beauty for ashes, and I believe there's that possibility that he can do that. I also want you to remember as well, don't let the sinful acts from a few turn you away from the kindness of many. Don't let the sinful acts from a few turn you away from the kindness of many. So I don't in any way trivialize what has happened to you, but I just say the church is broad and vast. It is not necessarily a reflection of the entire church, okay? I would just say, like, here, we, for years, we've been feeding homeless people, all right? Thousands of meals. Our church pays for it. We have volunteers that go serve. They give up their, their own time to go serve homeless people. We take missions trips around the world to some of the most poor environments that you could ever want to go. And we have people that give money. We have people that take time off. They go live in difficult situations because they are good people. We have a ministry here, GC Families, 
that we want to help foster families. We want to help those that are at risk. Last year, we gave away, our church gave to nonprofits and other ministries $230,000. So I, I just want to remind you, if you are repulsed by the actions of a few, then maybe give a second chance because of the actions of many. Don't let a bad church experience turn you off from church as a whole. You see sometimes teachers that don't represent the teaching profession well, but you know in the midst of that, there's still some good teachers out there. You see police officers sometimes that do not represent the values of policing, but there's some really good people in, the, in, in law enforcement. And I would say again, there's some terrible things that have happened in the church, but I'm just telling you, the vast majority of people are good people and, 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 they, and they care about you. Not everyone is out to hurt you, but I want to say also in the church, they get angry like I do when there's misconduct and it's coming from the, from the church. They're upset with it as well. So the question was, why are so many people hurt in the church and by its leaders. If you've been a victim of church hurt and it has caused you to leave the church, leave faith, maybe the, you think the entire thing is corrupt, then please listen to me. If you have not ever heard this before, if someone has never said this to you, then I want you to hear this. I want to formally apologize to you for the, the, the hurt that the church has caused. From the bottom of my heart, I am very sorry as to what happened to you. If you feel hurt, if you feel betrayed, if you feel lied to, if you feel ignored or rejected, if you feel expendable or abandoned, if you feel forgotten or misunderstood, if you feel like you were judged unfairly and mistreated, if you feel like the church protected its own instead of standing up for you or for what's right, let me just say I'm very sorry. I'm sorry that the church was not there for you. I am sorry that the church did not protect you. I am sorry that the church turned its back on you. I'm sorry that the church did not stand up for you. I'm sorry that the church was unkind to you. I'm sorry that the church judged you. I'm sorry that the church let you down. I am sorry the church did not reflect the true heart of Jesus, his love and his compassion for you. I'm sorry. The church is full of imperfect people who've misrepresented God to you and have tarnished the image of who he is. But please remember, the church, in the church, we are responsible for our own actions. God is not. We bear the responsibility. And I want to say, God knows those that have harmed you, and God will judge them as well. So my prayer is that you will eventually see the truth again and the beauty of Christ. My plea to you is that you would give God an opportunity to heal and restore the pain that the church has caused you. There is nothing that I or anyone else can do to take the hurt away. However, with all sincerity of heart, I want to say on behalf of the church, we apologize to you. Please forgive us.
at the end of church today, we're just going to have a prayer for healing, maybe for if you've, if you've kind of walked through that. I want you to know, too, there's dialogue that's open, and, man, we, we want to help. We want to help be an answer in this moment. So, all right. Next, next question there. I feel like God has let me down, and disappointments have caused me to doubt him. I feel like God has let me down, and disappointments have caused me to doubt him. See, there are people... They've walked away from faith just because they're walking a path that they did not understand. And we kind of get that. Sometimes you battle through the premature death of a loved one while you've prayed faithfully. Or there's a reoccurring sickness that, man, it just seems that it won't go away. And it's there, you know, it's there for a, for a long time. I've mentioned Sarah Martin, and I want to read. She listed several things that maybe caused her to kind of walk away from her faith. And it was a situation like this. She was going through a bout of depression. And I want you to, I want to read you kind of the, the, the paragraph that she wrote. It said, following the breakup with my ex, my depression worsened. Life felt meaningless I began to have moments of feeling like I did not want to live anymore. I turned to God for help, begging him to take away my depression, but to no effect. My understanding of God and consequently my entire identity and life's purpose had fallen apart. And I didn't know how to fix it. So people go through these issues sometimes and and there is it is it an issue of God's power is it an issue of God's will they walk through these times and and man you know they 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 come through with this sense they 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 doubt the trustworthiness they doubt the trustworthiness of God maybe we've all kind of been there when things that we're going through, there's a seeming inconsistency between what we know about God, but what we see happening in our life. Maybe kind of walk through that. Jesus had a, a relative that walked through that situation. It was his cousin. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was there at the very beginning of, of Jesus' ministry. He saw Jesus in all kinds of power, all kinds of glory. But John the Baptist got put in jail for preaching the gospel, for making a stand for, you know, for the gospel. So John's in jail, and he's starting to have some issues about maybe what I talked about, the seeming inconsistency between what we know about God and what is going on in our life. He's in jail, harsh jail, and this, he sends this message to Jesus out of the book of Luke. It said, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? So here's a man that knew him well. He's not a novice when it comes to faith. But yet, what he knew about God and what he saw in his life, there seemed to be some kind of inconsistency there. And it caused him to walk through this season of doubt. Maybe we've all kind of been there. 
But I want to say if that's you this morning, maybe, maybe you've kind of become cold in your relationship with the Lord or walked away because there was, you know, a, a situation that you didn't see resolved. Can I just say a few things this morning? Because there is not an answer at the moment does not mean one is not coming or that God does not have a plan for you. All right? Because there's not an answer at the moment doesn't mean that one is not coming or that God does not have a plan for you. So I get this question in many forms a lot. And I don't always have an answer theologically for you if you're walking through this moment. All I can say to you to encourage you is don't quit just yet. Because you haven't seen something yet doesn't mean that God's power and his purpose is about to unfold in your life. Some of the worst things in the world happened to Joseph. You know the story. Sold into slavery. He had nothing to do with that. He finds himself in jail for rape, for a crime that he did not commit. It would have been easy and probably understandable in that moment for Joseph to go, hey, this thing, I'm done. I'm done. This thing, this serving God hadn't got me anything but pain and misery. But I want to tell you, in the midst of a trial, God's purpose can be revealed through, through adversity. So if you're going through a hard time, I say don't throw in the towel yet on God or faith. God has a plan because you haven't seen something now doesn't mean that you won't see something around the corner. When you walk through this, I want you to remember this. God does not forsake us or run away in times of trouble. Can everybody say amen to that? God does not forsake us or run away in times of trouble. Because you do not see or sense an answer on the horizon right now does not mean that God has left you or taken his hand off of you. We walk through places that we don't understand and we're there longer than we want to be there and it's more intense than we ever thought. But I want to remind you of God's promises. He said in Psalm Psalms, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flame will not set you ablaze. I want to remind you, if you've ever experienced deep depression, a serious health issue, a financial issue, you're going through something in your marriage or as a parent, I want to remind you, whatever happened, Jesus is right there with you. He's never left. His hand has never left you. His eyes are always watching over you. And he, I promise you, is going to bring you through this moment somehow in some way. I promise you that. So let's reframe this question a little bit differently. <clears throat> Is an unanswered prayer a sign of an uncaring God? Is an unanswered prayer a sign of an uncaring God? Because you can look right up close and go, I see no movement. I'm in misery here. 
Is an unanswered prayer a sign of an uncaring God? Well, I say no. Not when you consider the big picture of how God revealed his love to you, okay? We're looking right here, right up close, and I understand that. But there's another sign of God's care that he demonstrated to us, and that's the sign of the cross, okay? So there's a big picture sign that I want you to remember in the midst of the the short-term view that you have right now, and that's the sign of the cross, that he demonstrated his love for you, that he he saved you, he's he's got his hand over you. So is is an unanswered prayer a sign of an uncaring God? I say no. Look upon the cross. It is a reminder of God's love, God's care that he demonstrated. He came to you. He brought that to you. And if you'll just remember that I promise you that that other stuff there's going to be an answer it's going to lift we're going to find a way through that I promise you I promise you that at the end of service this morning man if you're walking through maybe some doubt and you know un- uncertainty about what you're faced with we're, we're gonna we're just gonna pray for you as as well I want you I want you to know that last last question last question <clears throat> if God is good Why is there so much evil, suffering, violence, hunger, and war in the world? If God's good, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? Let's watch a little video from Sarah here this morning. Junior year of college, I spent three weeks on a cross-cultural trip to Cambodia. I think traveling outside of your own country in general is a very eye-opening experience. Um, For me, that was definitely the case. It's hard to even summarize everything that I learned in Cambodia, but I think the biggest thing that contributed to my deconstruction, my eventual deconstruction, was learning about Cambodia's genocide during the 1970s. I'm going to include some pictures from my trip. If you do not want to see any of them, you can skip forward to this timestamp, which I'll have on the screen. Some of the images are a bit disturbing. It was really crazy to, to tour the sites of a of, of former torture camp and see holes where mass graves were, where they put the bodies of victims, and visiting a memorial built for the victims that was just stacked high with thousands of skulls. I don't even know what to say about it. Like, it just really is something that has stuck with me to this day. And I remember during that trip seeing these things, just asking, like, where where was God in this? How does this line up with what I believe about God and how he works in each individual life and has purpose for each individual life? So Cambodia was really an eye-opening experience that got me wondering about what Christianity looks like in other parts of the world that aren't that are very different from from America, from the American evangelical Christianity that I knew. So, so she she sees this horror, and it causes her to ask, you know, some theological questions about, hey, what's you know, God, where where's God during this? We we see these questions kind of framed a lot. You hear like, uh, where was God during the Holocaust? Where was God during 9/11? 
You know that there are more people in human trafficking today than any other time in history. There's an estimated 40 million people enslaved right now. 60% of domestic child trafficking victims have a history in the child welfare system. 74% of child trafficking cases involve sex trafficking. The majority of those are pimp-controlled prostitution. The average age of child sex trafficking victims is 15 years of age. There's nearly 828 million people people that go away go uh, to bed hungry every night before the pandemic 39 million people in the US were living in poverty uh, more than 12% of the of the population due to the effects of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine the World Bank estimates 75 to 95 million people will be living in extreme poverty in 2022 on the average violent crime has climbed by 12% in the US cities while murder, rape, aggravated assault, and all, com uh, and all other violent crimes have increased by more than 25%. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has prompted Europe's largest refugee crisis since World War II. Since February, more than 13 million people have been forced to flee their homes and live as refugees. There's been more than 6,500 uh, civilian deaths. So the question is, if God is good... Why do we see, why do we see all of this? There's, there's an inconsistency between the goodness of God and the world that we live in. This is one of the reasons why she and others kind of walk away and become cold with faith. Well, I want to say I, I agree with part of that question. I mean, when you look at the abundance of evil in this world, when you see what is happening, when you watch the news, I mean, there, there's an overabundance of, of evil. I mean, just horrible, dark evil in the world. So this question puts God's character and nature on trial because of the pain and suffering in the world. Is God somehow complicit or responsible for evil in the world? So let me kind of work through that for just a moment, all right? God gives us moral freedom to choose right from wrong. God gives us moral freedom to choose right from wrong. So he made the choice at the beginning of creation not to just have robots, but that he's going to free people to make choices in their lives. We see this reflected in creation in Genesis 2. He put right in the middle of the garden a tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Look what he named it. It can't be any clearer than that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he starts out very early giving us a lifestyle choice of, ma a choice of lifestyle, marriage, mate, kids, vocation, recreation, morals. You get to choose the whole thing. All right? It's like walking into Golden Corral. You can go any direction you want. You can go to the salad bar or you can go to the all-you-can-eat ice cream bar. You can join me there. You, you, can, you can have any moral choice that you want here. You can follow God or not. You can obey his commands or not. You can have spiritual choices, moral freedom, and self-determination, however, whatever that means to you. So, 
If there is moral freedom, then there must be the possibility of evil and suffering. Right? If he gives moral freedom to people, then there must be the possibility of evil and suffering. Because moral freedom makes evil and goodness possible. My moral freedom allows me to be a blessing or I can hurt others. Your moral freedom provides you the platform that you can hurt others or that you can be a blessing. So the question, if is God is good, why is there so much evil and suffering and other things in the world? So if we're looking for the author of evil, you see them every morning when you stand in the mirror. If you're looking for the author of evil, in actuality, you know, it's us. Our evil is an actuality of an indictment of ourselves and the darkness of our own hearts. God's gift of moral freedom within itself is not evil, but it is our abuse of that freedom that produces evil and suffering in the world. Right? following me? Human trafficking. Does that come from the hand of God? Is that what we know about God is revealed? Human trafficking? Child prostitution? Is that some way reflective of the character of God that we know? Russia invades Ukraine in February. All the humanitarian disaster, unnecessary murders, is that somehow complicit on God or is that a, a despot ruler from Russia that made that choice who, in my opinion, while he's not being tried for war crimes, I don't know that, but that's another message there. Are those issues, issues that come out of God's character and nature, is that a reflection of our own choices and our, our own evil and dark hearts? <clears throat> God has warned us. He warned us about the effects of evil. All through the scripture, he's warned us. Jesus said sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lawlessness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from the inside. He's been warning us about that. Romans 6 said, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you might obey its evil desires. So all all throughout humanity, through God's word, he's been warning us about the impact and influence on our life. So the question is, if God is good, why is there so much evil and suffering and all of that in the world? It is about the goodness of God in relation to the world that we see. So let me reframe this question just a little bit differently or different thought here, okay? Parents who bring their children into the world, do so knowing over the course of their life, the child is going to probably experience pain and suffering, sickness, violence, okay? Parents know that there's going to be a time in the life that they will not be able to make every decision 
for their child, but they release that child to make moral decisions for, that, for their life. That child's decisions can bring blessing to the family and to themselves, or it can bring harm to the family or themselves, okay? We don't question the character of parents for bringing children into the world, do we? No. Like, what were you thinking? How cruel are you? Now, sometimes as the parents, you were going, what was I thinking? What? <laughs> but we don't offer criticisms to parents who bring children into the world because there is the belief that if the child makes good choices, that over the course of their life, that the good and blessing will outweigh the bad. So we don't question the character of parents. And I say, neither we should question the character of God either. Because there's great similarities. There's great similarities here. So it's a great question. I think that kind of needs to be worked through you know, evil and suffering in the world. So I want you to look at the writings of a man who had some unique thinking when it came to his internal questioning of evil and suffering. Let's look what C.S. Lewis said. He said, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I gotten this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? If the whole system was bad and senseless from A to Z, so to speak, why did I, who was supposed to be part of this system, find myself in such a violent reaction to it, okay? So he's, he's, he's wrestling with the evil that he sees in the world, and he's asking, hey, why should I feel angry at evil? Isn't this just part of the evolutionary kind of Darwinian kind of thinking? Why, why would I, you know, why would I be upset? Okay, so he's wrestling with evil in the world. Okay, so follow me here. If you say and you think that there's too much evil in the world, then you assume that there is good. I mean, you can't define evil without having a definition of good, right? Because that's what C.S. Lewis said. How do I know that a line is crooked outside a part of I know that there is a straight line? So you can't, if you're going to define evil, how do we know it's evil? Unless there is a counteraction of good. So, what is the origin of good and goodness? Where did it come from? Okay, where's the origin of good and goodness? Where did it come from? If you assume that there is some kind of law of good and goodness at work, you gotta say, where'd it come from? Where's kindness? Where's benevolence? Charity, caring for others. Where did, that, where did that come from? All right? So if you assume that there's 
that, that good and goodness, you got to assume somewhere that it originated from somewhere. There's some kind of, if there's good and good laws, and there's some kind of good and good law giver, you know, from who, who, who originated the good and the goodness. So the question was, if God is good, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? So the question which was meant to be an indictment against the character of God, and actuality fails because it reveals God's goodness to humanity. And I want to remind you, God is good. He is good. Worship team, you can come. So here's the difference when it comes to the question of evil. If God's good, why are these evil things here? Okay? Here's the difference. Christianity provides a way to change an evil heart and an evil world. We have an answer to that. Secularism just acknowledges and tries to accommodate, you know, uh, uh, evil. But there is no real long-term answer for that. So in the Christian faith, God is not just about saying no he provides a way of change to the human heart. God did not leave us in the midst of our evil and our evil choices with the only hope that we have in this world trying within ourselves to just become a little less evil. I want to tell you this morning, there is a way to change evil in the human heart and that is through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Secularism says, just try to be a little more moral. Jesus said, I want to change that heart. There's an answer to evil in the world, and it's not to point its finger at God. It's to listen to the answer that he has provided. Ephesians 2 gives us some clarity on this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and in sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. We are not hopeless. We are not left here hopeless. We are not a permanent slave to our life, our passions, our evil heart, and our history. I want you to know this morning, there is not only new life in Christ, but there is also a new heart as well. He says, I can take a stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. He can do that this morning. So you may be here today. What do I do with evil in my own heart? I look at my past. I look at what's, what's going on in my, my life now. And some of you, your only answer is, I'm just going to try to do a little better. I'm going to try to do a little better. I'm going to try to get on top of things. 
My, I got an addiction out of control. I'm going to try to bring it into control. I got temper out of control. I got other things. I'm just going to try to maybe, maybe walk it back in a little bit. I want you to know that's a hopeless answer. I want you to know this morning that there is true change, true transformation through the power of the cross. If you'll give him that opportunity to forgive your sin and, and, and cleanse your heart. How many of you could just raise your hands this morning and go, I know there was a heart change in me, a heart transplant in me. I was different. Just raise your hand up and down. Just raise your hand. I'm just telling you, I'm not up here just preaching a bunch of stuff because it's Pastor Appreciation Day. They gave me a card. I'm telling you, there is life change, life transformation. Your future is not hopeless. Your DNA and your genetics do not matter. They cannot pass through the power of the cross. You can be a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're given that opportunity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today, you're watching online, you're not sure about your own walk with God, maybe you've tried, you tried to turn over a new leaf, you tried to be better, tried to be more moral, tried to kind of straighten yourself out, and you found nothing but frustration, then welcome to what everybody else that just raised their hand, welcome to what we found out. True change only comes... When you just give it over to him and you surrender your life, that's what happens. And then the promise that he just gave us, that he will take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh, that will happen. So if you're here today, you've banged your head against the wall trying to be better. I want you to try something different this morning. I want you to give him an opportunity to change your life, to change your heart. I promise there is life transformation. There is, there is heart transformation through the power of Jesus and the cross of Jesus this morning. I promise you that. I promise you that. I want to just say a prayer. And I'm going to pause at the sentence. And if that's you this morning, and you want to turn things over to the Lord, maybe you're watching online, maybe somebody just sent you this, maybe you're catching a podcast here. When I say that sentence, man, you agree. I just want you to just to yourself, just go, amen. Amen. God's hearing you. God's hearing you. God's hearing you. Father, I know that I've broken your laws, and my sin have separated me from you. I'm truly sorry, and I want to turn from my sinful past towards you. Please forgive me. I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and he hears my prayer. I invite you, Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and to reign in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If that's you, if along that prayer you were just going, amen, Lord, that's me. 
Lord, that's me. I want to tell you. I want to tell you, man, your best days are ahead. Your life in the future is not defined by the carnage of the past. There is a new hope. There, You can be a new creation. There's a second chapter of, of, of your life uh, that can be written for you. Your life is not framed. and the, the future of your life is not framed by the mistakes that you are past. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. He said, I'm going to take your sin and your past, and I'm going to throw them as far as the east is from the West, I'm telling you, there's a new day for you this morning. There's a new day. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand with me this morning? In a moment, I'm going to open these altars, but I want to do a prayer. I want to do a prayer this morning for a couple of things that I spoke on earlier. <clears throat> so just let me pray. Lord, I pray for everyone that's in this building watching online, watching a video, listening to a podcast, who's been hurt, they've been abused, they've left the church, they've left faith, they've walked away from you because of the actions and activities of others in the church. Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray. God, that you would grant grace and that you would grant healing. Some of them are carrying a darkness in their soul, a scar upon their soul, the thought of worship and the church. Lord, it, it brings pain. But today, but today, Lord, I speak life. I just speak healing. I speak wholeness, Lord, I pray, as they kind of open that wound of their heart. Lord, I pray that that balm of Gilead, that healing touch of the Lord, that they would sense, Lord, your presence, and they would sense your closeness. And, Lord, they would know that, that you are not complicit at this, that you are the loving Savior. So, Lord, I pray for healing this morning. Church, would you just pray with me for that? I pray for healing. We pray for healing this morning. We pray for restoration. God, we pray that people would just sense your love, even as you're watching and listening. Lord, you are wrapping your arms around people. Lord, there is healing that is coming. There is healing that is flowing this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, God. Bring healing. Bring healing. Bring restoration. Lord, bring renewal. Bring renewal to their life. God, touch their heart, those deep places. Lord, some are carrying really dark secrets. Lord, maybe they haven't even told anyone. God, I pray. I pray. I pray for wholeness in their life. I pray for wholeness in their life. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord, I pray for those that are walking through a tough time. Lord, and maybe there's been some doubt, maybe some coldness because this insurmountable challenge is in front of them. Lord, we've all been there. We understand that. But Lord, I just pray. I pray over them today. Lord, maybe some that have walked away, they were discouraged, didn't think faith worked for them. It works for others. It doesn't work for me. God, I pray. I pray, Lord, I pray for the healing touch of the Lord. I pray, God, that you would give assurance to their heart. They may not see an answer, but, Lord, you've never left them. 
You've never left them. You've never left them. God, I pray that they'll sense that and they'll know that. Lord, they wouldn't turn from the left or the right or walk away, but Lord, they would stay and give the opportunity to you to reveal your plan and reveal your purpose. Lord, I pray those that have been wounded, Lord, hurt, walked away because because of this. Lord, I pray over them today. Lord, I I pray, Lord, just to sense, Lord, that you are in control and that you have not forgotten them. Even until the cloud clears, Lord, I pray over that today. I pray over that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For just a moment, can you just praise him this morning? We're going to just do something. Just lift your hands across the building. Just worship him for a moment. Just worship him for a moment. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. We praise you this morning. You're so good. You're so good to us, Lord. We worship you. We worship you this morning, Lord. We give you honor. We give you glory. Lord, those that maybe misunderstand, Lord, they don't know maybe some of your goodness. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you through your faithfulness when I walked through times that I didn't understand. God, I thank you. I thank you that you were there. I thank that you were there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.